imagine this, dear one. It's December 31st, 2022, and you have just had the best year of your life. You're celebrating your successes and you feel so gosh down proud of yourself for not just accomplishing your goals, but in how you've consistently shown up for yourself and your life. And it feels amazing. And I so want that for you. And I know it's possible even if you don't yet. So if you're tired of trying to do it all by yourself and feeling like it's all on you, tired of knowing the things you need to do, but finding yourself stuck in a vicious cycle of self-sabotage, always putting yourself last, you're going to want to pay attention to what I'm about to share. I am thrilled to let you know I'm launching a 12-month structure of accountability to help guide and support you in finally feeling confident, not just in your ability to set goals, but to actually achieve them. So head over to my website to check it out and get your name on the waitlist for my 2022 Goal Getters Accountability Group. Registration isn't open yet. It'll open on December 31st at 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Spots are limited, so you're going to want to get your name on the list to hold your spot. All the details are on my website, catalystcoaching.com, catalyst with a K, coaching with a C. And I am so excited to be inviting you into what I know is going to be a game changing program. So head to my website for all the details and get your name on the waitlist. Hello, 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 everyone. This is Catherine LaRanger, your host of the My Dead Dragon podcast. And as always, I hope you know that I love you. You are phenomenal and you deserve to live a life that you love, you absolutely love. And today I'm in conversation with a woman, Deborah Jacobs, who's a financial coach. And Deborah helps people overcome shame, fear, and overwhelm around money and take action to master their personal finances. So a single mom by choice, Deborah owned and operated a preschool for 18 years. As she raised her kids and ran her business, she ignored her own finances for way too long. And so once she committed to changing her financial life, she did a deep dive into the world of personal finance, reading books and blogs, listening to podcasts, joining groups focusing on money and taking many, many courses. Through this process, Deborah found a new calling, helping others transform their relationship with money, their money habits and their lives. In addition to running her coaching business, Money Smart for Life, Deborah is also a published author author and editor and is presented at many conferences. She's worked as a parent coach, preschool consultant and resume expert. Deborah holds an education master's from Harvard University's Graduate School of Education. So Deborah, welcome, welcome to the My Dead Dragon podcast. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Money, Ooh, that can be a touchy one. That can be a touchy one for a lot of a lot of women. So can you Definitely. start us off by sharing your story? Sure. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on your podcast. And I'd be happy to share my story. So I grew up in a time when the Cinderella syndrome was going strong. You know, I just grew up absolutely expecting that Prince Charming would swoop down, I'd get married, I'd have children. Of course, I had the expectation that I would work and have some sort of career, but 
just expected that it wouldn't necessarily be the primary career in the family, Mm. that I would be taking care of the children and that I could rely on a husband to, you know, be the main breadwinner and not something that I would necessarily have to worry about. Mm. And lo and behold, there I was in my 30s at the end of a relationship and really thinking through my life and what did I want more than anything. And I came to this realization that what I really wanted even more than the Prince Charming was the children. Mm. I really, really, really wanted to be a mother. And I, having, you know, at that time and having grown up in that milieu, I spent a few years at night trying to sleep, you know, staring at the ceiling and saying, can I do this alone? How can I? How can I make it work financially? Uh, Will I be enough? for children? Will, you know, will I, will I, will I, can I, can Mm. I, can I, and really paralyzed for, for quite a while. And during that time, I started taking some steps. I bought a house by myself, which was something that I would never have expected earlier in my life that I would doing. And again, the night before I closed on the house, I remember being up pretty much all night saying, oh my gosh, this is so much money, you know, and, and, you know, who knew that property values in my neighborhood were going to like go way, way up within the next few years. And Mm. so that house actually has put me in, in good stead. One of the, one of the very few good financial moves I made earlier in my adult life. But anyway, I I just wanted kids and I just, I didn't know how I would do it. And finally, on my 37th birthday, I had a work meeting. We had sort of a, and I worked at a nonprofit at the time and we had this annual sort of retreat to think about our goals for the year, what we'd accomplished, all of that. And when it came time for me to talk about my goals for the year, I just blurted out, I'm adopting a child. Wow. And <laughs> decision made yeah. after all of that angst. And mm. they were very supportive. Thank goodness my family was supportive. And once I made that decision, I just kicked that dead dragon out of the way. And it. I, I like to say that the universe opened up mm-hmm. and made all things possible. And what I mean by that is not that all of a sudden you know, the seas parted and and everything worked out. But that once I made that decision and I shifted my thinking from, oh, I can't, how can I, how is it possible to, I can do this. I just have to figure out how. Then I was able to take the actions necessary to make it happen. And a year later, I brought home my first baby and Four years later, I went and did it again. So um, that's sort of the outlines of the story. And uh, I was, as I said, working in a nonprofit at the time. A few years later, I, I think that one decision, adopting my children, opened up space for me to do many other things in my life. So I wanted my own business. 
And I wanted to work with children and I wanted to spend more time with my daughter. So I ended up opening a childcare program that turned into a preschool that worked very well for our lives for 18 years. And then when the pandemic happened, I closed my preschool and I had had this little bug in my in my ear for quite a while saying that I wanted to be a financial coach. I wanted to help people with money. As I started to transform my own life, I just thought it would be so cool to work with other people to make those same kinds of transformations. And so the pandemic, I, I, I might've done it anyway. I like to think I would, but the pandemic, as much as it's a horrible thing and would never wish it on anybody, it opened up the space for me to jump in with both feet. Mm. Wow, Deborah, there's like so much gold <laughs> in your story, so much gold there. And so I, I want to highlight a couple things that really resonate for me. And one of them is that decision moment. And that's something that I talk about with my listeners, with my clients, that it's it's the decision, right? And in that decision, when we make those decisions for our life, our whole mindset shifts. So we go yes. from how can I afford this? How is this possible? Well, I don't have the education. I don't have the this. Like I can't make this happen. To how do I make this happen? I've decided. And now how do I make it happen? And then as Absolutely. you said, once we decide the universe rushes to our aid, and we start to actually see resources, ideas, opportunities that weren't there before. And so I love that you highlight that I love that you highlight that. And then the other piece around having that bug in your ear, right? So that's that longing and discontent, where again, the universe is kind of whispering to us, there's more right? You're, you're kind of ready to step into that next level of becoming. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, that, that is true. And I think when, I think there's a process that happens and I think it's happened to me several times in my life, which is an idea takes hold, maybe not so much with adopting my children, because that's just something I wanted all my life. But mm -hmm. starting my preschool, starting my financial coaching business, other decisions that have pushed me forward in my life where I have an idea, and I think it's a great idea, and I'm all gung-ho, and then the gremlins come in, mm -hmm. you know, and all of the uh, not even necessarily, I have a lot of yay sayers rather than naysayers around me. I'm lucky that way. Although, you know, there are a few naysayers, but the thoughts come in like, oh, that really wasn't a good idea after all. Oh, I can't really do that. And I think it's when we push through those and push those gremlins away when we can get to maybe a modified version of what the idea was, but actually take some action and do it. And I think that there's this mistaken idea sometimes that, oh, I've got this great idea. I'm going to move forward in my life. I'm going to do this. And then, you know, it's not so much that the universe opens up and that there are resources we that weren't there before. It's that all of a sudden we see those resources mm -hmm. and we're able to access what was always there, but we've shifted our vision. It's a little bit like buying a new car. Like I never look at cars ever, ever, ever. I'm driving on the road, thinking about other things. And I wouldn't care if it's a Ford or a Tesla. 
But when I'm in the market for a new car, all of a sudden, oh, that's, you know, that's the Subaru Crosstrack and that's the this and that's the that. And you start seeing these and it's a little bit like the same thing. Once you've made that decision, you start seeing everywhere the possibilities, Mm -hmm. but those gremlins do come in. And I think that, that it's pushing through that sort of wave of second layer, you know, I can't second layer negativity Mm -hmm. that gets you to move forward. Absolutely. Right. And, and so it starts with the decision and we have to serve our decision with action. And at that moment of decision and, and even before it, right, those gremlins and I use the language of paradigms. Yeah. They're like, Oh, like, who do you think you are? You can't do that. That's a silly idea. Well, let's do the laundry first after the kids are out of school and they try to actually keep you in that comfort zone. So those gremlins or paradigms are, are just trying to keep you in your familiar familiar. And so actually knowing that they're there and that they're actually showing up for everybody. So if you're hearing them, you're not alone. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with you. Totally normal. Totally normal. Totally normal. So normal. And it's taking action, like you said, pushing through them in spite of those. And, And then, yes, absolutely. Once we've made the decision, we take that action, we start to see, right, the resources, ideas, opportunities that were there all along. But as you said, we weren't tuned to them. We weren't tuned right. to them. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so Deborah, how did you go from, <clears throat> or sorry, not go from, but what was your process in terms of, you mentioned growing up with a Cinderella syndrome, right? Okay, I just have to like sit here and, you know, look a certain way, be a certain way, Prince is going to show up and happily ever after. How did you come to realize like, huh, maybe I kind of bought a load of hooey here. Yeah. And then how do I actually become my own heroine? Right. Long, slow process. Mm. You know, there was a certainly a long period of time where, you know, went on a ton of dates and just kept looking for that person who, you know, we're expecting, I was expecting anyway, a partner to do everything, you know, to be attractive and to spark that kind of excitement and yet to be kind and to be steady and to be good father material and to be a good friend and to be, you know, all in one person. And sometimes that's hard to find. And, Um, And, you know, I did, again, being in a longer term relationship that ended, you just come to a point in your life where you say, what is the most important thing to me? Mm. Um, And, you know, you as women, sometimes if children is what we really want, there's a certain sense of time pressure. Mm -hmm. If people want to give birth to a child, there's definitely a time pressure. But even with adoption, there's mm. there's a time pressure. And, and it just comes to that point where we just have to, again, coming back to that decision, we just have to decide. Now, that's not to say that then life is all unicorns and roses. Mm-hmm. You know, so we make that decision and then it's still a long process. I will tell you that... Um, I couldn't be happier now. You know, my children are 18 and 23. I'm an empty nester for the first time. 
and I'm really loving my life. And at 35, if I had looked into the future and seen that, yes, I had children, but they would be gone and I'd be living alone, I would think I'd be really sad. And again, it was that that idea of, you know, the cultural expectation of partnership and marriage, the idea that, you know, somebody's going to be taking care of me. And taking care of yourself can be tough, hmm. but it can also be exhilarating, you know, hmm. knowing that you're responsible for everything. When I adopted my kids, I knew going in that I was going to have to give the baths, read the bedtime stories, cook the dinner, do the dishes, and take out the trash. You know, I mean, I, that I'd have to do it all. And I, I would laugh sometimes when friends of mine or people I knew would talk about their husbands going on a business trip and they'd be saying, oh, my gosh, you know, he's going to be gone for four days. It's so hard and not so hard for me because it's what I expected and what I chose. Mm, and that but it was the process getting there. Yeah. And, and I love that, you know, in terms of looking forward, anticipating if you, sorry, if you were in your thirties looking now, you might've thought you would be sad and yeah. yet it's a shift in perspective, right? Yes. So yeah. the, the choice to be a single parent, this could be scary or exhilarating. I'm yes. going to choose exhilarating. This is very true. And I will tell you there Single parenthood is very varied. You know, people are single parents by circumstance, like divorce or widowhood or, you know, maybe never having married, but not, you know, having a their partner in their lives so much. That can be really hard. And that requires a really big mind shift to get to life is beautiful. Whereas mm -hmm. if you've gone through sort of the hard stuff of I don't have a partner, that fairy tale is, you know, like, not really real. It's a bubble that mm -hmm. popped, you know, it's, it's not, it's not real, that fairy tale. And if you've gone through that whole process, and then become a parent, and you're ready for it and open for it, it's really not hard. You know, it's it's not hard. It's it's uh it can be very joyful, of course. There are moments as yeah. parents where, you know, I remember when my kids were little and you know, you do triage, whoever's screaming the loudest needs yeah. you the most. <laughs> Is there but, blood? Um, yeah, that's right. But um, but also there's community too, particularly in adoption. And I hope for other single moms, uh, certainly for moms of kids who are donor conceived, there can be mm. community. We have my best friends now are people who also adopted children. And um, so we, my life was enriched greatly. Mm. Mm. So what was that process like for you? you said it was a slow process of really yeah. kind of realizing okay i'm i'm the one here right and yeah. and so what would you say that looked like were there kind of like moments were there kind of pivotal things that you did yeah. was it just a slow unfolding what did that look like for you yeah i i you know it was hard coming up to that day of decision and there were definitely 
tough moments and moments of loneliness and moments of regret and moments of this is not how my life is supposed to pan out. And these are not the expectations. Uh, My life is not living up to the expectations that everybody told me it would live up to, you know, that, Mm. that I had. And, and, uh, and, and that was hard. And I think that, Coming slowly to the, like buying my house, for example, that happened before I adopted my children. And that was hard, but not that hard. You know, that was, I just like, yeah, I can do this. You know, it's not something that at that time, a lot of single women did, but I can do this. It's, it's a good idea. It's, financially a good idea and I can do this. So that was more like dollars and cents and the spreadsheet and and um, all of that. The big one, which was adopting my kids, you can't put on a spreadsheet. You know, I mean, I just, I just knew in my heart that this is what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to be a parent. And because circumstance led me to this place in my life in my 30s where I really didn't want to start all over meeting somebody. And, you know, when you're trying to meet somebody with the expectation that, come on, hurry up, I got to have kids. Yeah. That puts a damper on, <laughs> on the building of a relationship. So, mm. um, so I just, I, I went through this. I don't really know how to put it. Just this questioning, this mm. you know, questioning for a couple of years. And once again, once I made that decision, yeah. it was like the blinders came off, and it all became really clear. Mm. And was, was there a grieving process that you went through in terms of being able to let go of the fairy tale? Definitely, and prior to the decision to adopt my kids. Mm-hmm. Once I made that decision, I, I didn't experience any grief. I know some women who become single moms by choice do experience grief, even through the process of either conceiving, giving birth to their child and raising their child or adoption. People experience the grief sometimes of of um, if they're single, of not having that fairy tale, not having the partnership. I did not experience that at all once I made the decision. Hmm. Once I made that decision, I was like, here we go. Yeah, we're doing this thing. (laughs) But leading up to that, yes, Hmm. there definitely was a grieving process of when things work out differently than we expect them to work out, I think, and I think it's always hard. And I think Mm. there is a a process of grieving. And I I think I had to go through that in order to get to the point at which I could, with a full heart, make that Mm -hmm. decision and follow through with it. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think what's really resonating for me is that as we evolve, as we go through this process of becoming the main character of our own life, you know, we have a wake up call or series of wake up calls that sometimes and by sometimes, I mean, often it can take some time to really fully, fully allow ourselves to to just sit with the 
significance of that. Yeah. And and part of that is is allowing ourselves to really let go of to grieve the idea, to grieve a version of ourselves that we thought uh, mm-hmm. might exist and and to allow ourselves to do that so that there's actually space we're creating space for who we are now to emerge yes yes i agree and you know i i think that the next generation i mean i think i'm very hopeful for my children um And that is not to say they're not going to have their own dragons to slay and their own, you know, things to get over. I think the Prince Charming fairy tale is not one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, they did not grow up with the, first of all, they my kids grew up with single moms. So they had a mm-hmm. model of somebody who could solve problems and who could do what needed to be done. But even friends of theirs who grew up with two parents. I think that they have a different view of life. I think they're mm-hmm. coming to life in this generation with, you know, of course, I'm going to be responsible for myself. You know, mm-hmm. why would I expect somebody else to be responsible for me? I'm sure they'll have other things to deal with. Yeah. But hopefully that's not one of them, which is not to say I don't hope for them that they find loving partnerships in life. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think it'll be a different approach. Yeah, I know I get so excited when I'm watching things like Brave and Moana and Wonder Woman and (laughs) just having these role models out there for young girls that you can be a superhero too. Yes. You're not a side character. You're the main character. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so so Deborah tell me how you came to do what you're doing now the financial the financial I guess literacy and coaching and, and you know cuz I think that that's a whole other layer of really becoming the main character of your life is taking um responsibility really for your finances. Yes. yes absolutely. Um and for me personally uh I don't have anything to prove, but I am an older person starting a new business, and um, that can be a little daunting. So, but I'm I'm sure that I can make this work. So, uh, I think having gone through those past steps, adopting my children, raising my children, starting a preschool, having a successful preschool, and doing some other things in my life why wouldn't I be able to do something completely different and, yeah. and make it work? Um, so uh, not that there aren't, again, a, a learning curve in moments when, you know, human nature, when you say, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> right, right. Um, so the evolution of that is that when, I first adopted my first daughter for the very first time in my life. I made a budget and I figured out exactly what it would cost me to adopt her, to um, take three months unpaid maternity leave. I had it figured out to the penny and I started doing things for the first time, like looking at where I was spending my money, you know, so no more going to the books 
store twice a week and instead started going to the library, which is a habit I continue with to this day. And things like that. I just really became conscious of where I was spending my money. However, when my kids came home, I focused on two things. I focused on raising my kids and running my preschool. And I completely ignored my financial life. And if I had done just a few things, just a few little things, I would be in a much, much better financial situation today. And so I kept saying to myself, you know, I really have to learn about finances. I was a little scared of them. I really have to learn about money. I really have to learn what to do with my money. I really have to learn how to manage my money. And I never did. Then my kids got older and, you know, when kids get older, they go off with their friends and, you know, some space opened up, not necessarily in my life, because I think it's an excuse to say I never had time before. I could have made the time. It doesn't take that much time. Yeah, we make time for what's important to us. Right, right. But I just felt like I really have to do this. You know, I really have to learn about this. And I got introduced serendipitously to the FIRE movement. Are you familiar mm. with the FIRE movement? Oh, isn't that the Retire Early? Yeah, it's an acronym for Financial Independence Retire Early. Now, of course, mm. I'm too late for the Retire Early part, which is fine because I love working. But the Financial Independence part, now that sounds good. So I started listening to some podcasts and I got interested. And I started reading some books and I got more interested. And I had no idea that personal finance was so fascinating, like Mm. so interesting. And I couldn't stop. I just wanted more and more and more. So I read all the books and I joined all the Facebook groups and I listened to all the podcasts and I took a bunch of courses and I started transforming my own. Now, I'm still a work in progress, but I started transforming my own financial life. And as I learned more and as I took more steps, I, like I said, I got this little bug that was like, boy, it would be fun to help people do this. Hmm. You know, I'd really mm-hmm. like to help people do this. This would be especially single moms. Mm-hmm. Um, but boy, this would be really fun. So I never did anything about it until the pandemic closed my preschool, expecting to open it back up three weeks later, as we all did. And of course, that didn't happen. And I just said, now's the time. And yeah. so I, you know, got a few beta clients who didn't pay me anything, but I worked with them and I learned and I perfected my process and then got paying clients and have been doing it ever since. And it's so gratifying to Mm. see people really make changes in their lives. You know, I'm working with uh, or or finished working at this point, although they may want to do like a three-month check-in or a four-month check-in with a, a young couple who had lost a business during COVID and were really despairing and they're doing just great now. They're doing really well. And so it's just, it's very satisfying. And another young man who had gone through bankruptcy and 
could see himself heading down that path again. He just, he had Mm. never learned about finances. Mm. He had never learned how to manage his money. And so I've been working with him and he's really turning things around. And also I work with some people who are getting divorced or who have been divorced and have never managed the money Mm. in their families. And now finances are a little tighter than they were, and they're responsible. Mm. And they're absolutely terrified. Mm -hmm. And I really love being both encouraging and firm with people. Mm. So, you know, holding them to, yes, you can do this. Yeah. And, um, and seeing people transform. It's so it's so much fun. And that sense of freedom that comes yes. for people. Yes. And so you mentioned, um, you mentioned Deborah having like, if there were just a few little things I had done, what are those little things that you would recommend that people start with? Absolutely. So one thing I always did in my younger days when I was raising my children was money would come in. And then I'd pay all my bills, we'd spend what we needed to spend, and sometimes what we didn't need to spend, but spent it anyway. And then if there was anything left over, I'd throw that in a savings account. And I think if I had turned that around, Mm. if I had just said, before I spend a penny, anytime money comes in, I'm going to take a small percentage, whatever it is, and I'm going to put that away. Hmm. I would have been fine with whatever else was left, and I would have had a nice little nest egg. Hmm. So that's one thing that I definitely recommend people do is pay yourself first. You know, the first item Mm -hmm. on your budget is savings, and it Hmm. comes right off the top. And then whatever's left, you figure out how, how to live on it. The second thing I would have done is I would have invested money early. So Mm. I did open up an IRA. I had no idea like what mutual fund it was invested in, what the expense ratio was. I didn't know anything. And some years I didn't put anything in it. Some years I'd throw something towards it. It never really went anywhere. And if I, again, had made a monthly contribution just to like a, an index fund, a total mm-hmm. market index fund, I would be doing really well right yeah. now. So just those two things alone is just paying myself first. And inv- even if it's very small, there are companies that have no minimums. You can invest $10 if you want, something very small every month because your money, now the market goes up and down. So, you know, you have to be able to live through those downs and know that it will eventually come back up. But the market trends upwards mm-hmm. and I would be doing, I'd be doing better if I had done those two things. And then the third thing is just being really conscious of where I was spending my money. And how I was spending my money and cutting out the things that didn't add value to my life. Oh, I like that. Cutting out the things that don't add value to your life. And so how would you, so for someone who's never done a budget, yes, where would they start? 
Well, yeah, that B word. It's a big, scary word. Mm -hmm. So when I work with people, I have a budget that I use that's based on something called the plan ahead budget that was developed by a woman named Kelsa Dickey, who's a financial coach in Arizona and fantastic. Um, And so that's something that we that I use with my clients. But if somebody Mm. is just starting out, I would suggest that they first get all of their credit card statements and bank statements and look at them for the past maybe three months and Mm. figure out where their money's going. That's Mm. the first step is just, just track for a couple of months just to see where you're spending money, you might be surprised. I was surprised that I had a lot of um, subscriptions Mm. that I didn't even use. Mm. And so I do an audit now every once in a while is going through everything. And did I sign up for something because I got the free seven day trial and forgot to, you know, cancel (laughs) it. And now I'm paying $17.99 a month, you know, something like that. Um, But I had a lot of those. So just looking at where your money's going, that's the first step. And then the second step would be to create a few buckets. Mm. So one bucket would be your expenses that are the same every month. We call those fixed expenses. So your rent or your mortgage, if you have a homeowner's association fee, uh, your auto insurance, if you pay it monthly, you know, your you can put um, debt. We're not going to talk about debt because that's a whole other conversation. But if you do monthly like student loan payments that are the mm-hmm. same, that could go in, in that category. That's one bucket. Add that up, figure out how much your fixed expenses are for the month. That's that's one. The second bucket is your day-to-day expenses. How much are you spending on groceries? Hmm. How much are you spending on pet food? You know, how much are you spending on gas for the car or bus fare or subway fare or whatever it is? Add up all those expenses and figure out how much you want to spend on those. And maybe when your paycheck comes in, if it comes in every two weeks, you can just take that much money out, open up a new account. Mm -hmm. That's your spending money for those two weeks. You can't Mm -hmm. go over it. Mm -hmm. That might be a way of doing it where you don't have to eventually track every penny, but you can just say, okay, $565. That's my my, uh, day-to-day spending amount for these next two weeks. Hmm. or $350 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that's all you have to look at. And then the last one is what I like to call expected unexpected. Mm. And some people call it sinking funds. And it just means that we all have expenses that we know are coming up in our lives. They just don't come up every week or every month. Mm-hmm. They come up once in a while. Yeah. And these are things like holiday gifts, Mm. and birthday gifts. Mm. There are things like new tires on the car Mm. and oil changes and paying for registration for the car. There are things like taking your dog to the vet. You know, Mm. you know, you're going to have to go at least once a year to the vet and buy the flea stuff and buy the heartworm pills, but it's not something you pay every month. So you add up, you look at, figure out what you think you're going to spend for the year on all of those and divide by 12. Mm. 
And then every month also, you put that much into a savings account. And when one of those expenses come up, you don't have to scramble. You don't have to put it on a credit card and pay interest. You just take it out of that account. And there you go. You've got it. I love that. That's such a great idea. And so you would recommend that people have actual separate accounts for all of these items. I do. I like separate accounts. It keeps things clear and easy. Yeah. Boundaries. Boundaries are good. Yeah. Because if you mix it all up, it's so easy to just take a little from here and put into there and, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. I think that's really helpful information for people really starting out, you know, in terms of really taking charge of their money yeah. in, in, a, in empowering ways. And so if you look at your journey and your process, is there any advice you would want to give yourself looking back? It's so easy to say from the standpoint of having done it mm-hmm. to say, don't worry, mm. you can do it. You know, don't, don't, you don't need to go through all that angst. You're perfectly capable. Mm. Easy for me to say now. Yeah. I'm not sure that I could have gotten to where I am now if I hadn't experienced all that angst and worry. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that is one thing I'd like to tell myself is just don't worry. Mm. You know, you, you can do it. You're going to be fine and Mm. it's all going to work out. Yeah. You've got this. Yeah. And so, Deborah, where can people find you if they would love to learn more about what you do? You have a podcast, I know, website. Can you tell us about those? Sure. So my website is moneysmartforlife.com. And you can find out about financial coaching on the website. You can find out about the podcast on the website and you can go to contact me and get in touch with me. And I would love to hear from any of your listeners who are interested in learning more about money and financial coaching. And I do have a podcast. The podcast is called Finance Your Dream. And you can find it on pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts, it's on a whole bunch of different platforms. It started out as a podcast geared to the intersection of money, parenting, and single Mm. parenthood. And then I, uh, kind of a long story, but to make it short, I was working with a business coach who advised me to broaden it a little bit, which I did. Uh, and changed the name to Finance Your Dream. And I felt like I lost my voice a little bit. Mm. So I have taken a little break from the podcast and I'm I'm in the process of interviewing a bunch of fabulous people and am about to launch, kind of relaunch it with a focus on money and single parenthood. Mm. So um, I mean, it's applicable to other people who are not single parents as well, but that's yeah. that's where the focus is. Yeah. Oh, I love that, Deborah. And and I want to just kind of highlight a little a little thing here for my listeners is that noticing, right? And Deborah, what you did beautifully is notice. Okay, I got this advice from this expert, quote unquote expert. I did this thing. It didn't feel right to me. It felt like it wasn't, I'd lost my voice. And so for my listeners, noticing that for yourself, where are the places where I feel like I've 
uh, like I've maybe lost my voice, yeah. I've compromised my vision, my dream. And we just notice, right? We notice. Yeah. And then in that noticing, we create space for us to make a choice about how to proceed. So yes. thank you for that beautiful example, Deborah. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure being on your podcast and having this conversation with you. Mm, thank you so much. And I will have all of your contact info in the show notes. So anybody listening, if you would love to connect with Deborah, you can get her, her website info in the show notes. And thank you, Deborah, for being here today. So enjoy this conversation and sharing your story. And to my listeners, you are amazing. You are amazing. Know this, know this, and I will catch you next time. 